It's good to be back with you guys. Um, uh, you know, when you take a longer break, it usually takes a few days, maybe a week, to kind of decompress. And that happened, but then I did hit that mark. And you know you're really resting when you're in the middle of reading a book and you fall asleep and a little drool hits the page. That's when you know you hit peak vacation moment. And then also you don't care that you're not finishing the book at the, you know, at a, at the proper pace. It's a great, a great experience. So that happened. Um, so uh, let me finish the reading of the scriptures. Um, I'll start back where, and, and he said to them, why are you so troubled? And why do your doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and feet, it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit doesn't have flesh, a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And, they, while, they, and while they still disbelieved this time for joy and were marveling, he said to them, you got anything to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish, and he took and ate before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures like he did on that road to Emmaus and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on, and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem you are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That's the Holy Spirit, by the way. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, out of town, and lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up to heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple pleasing, praising God or blessing God. See, the blessings can go from humans to God too. If you've been with us for a little bit, well, let me say this. I am thankful for that time off and I'm super thankful for Steve Angle and Chris Horn and Charles McKnight for state for... Uh, holding down the pulpit while I was gone. So if you see them, thank them for me. So if you're new to us, I'm going through the elements of, I've been going through the well elements of worship, um, the parts of the liturgy, to use churchy terms. And admittedly, it's been intermittent, basically with a month off in between, one, of, one set of them. But today we spend, this, uh, uh, the, the, spend our time on the last of these elements, which has been a sporadic series. And that element is commission. As, uh, as we talk with the kids who remember it perfectly, call, confession, consecration, communion, and commission. Now commission. It's the final thing of a worship service. But truth is, most of us treat the benediction a little bit like, well, back in my day, it was Porky Pig busting through the screen saying, that's all, folks. Or if they're a little older than me, Edward Murrow's good night and good luck. Or the all-famous Ron Burgundy saying, stay classy, San Diego. 
You can tell the joke, like who hits what part of the audience at any point. Or the world-famous, international, renowned TDSR podcast, Keep Talking, Stay Curious. For those who have ears to hear, let them hear. But a event addiction is more than a cue for you to get your jacket and get ready for lunch. It's even more than a punctuation mark. If it were a punctuation mark, it would be an ellipsis. The commission is an essential part of worship. It does conclude our service, but it also commences our week. Under the banner of God's love, by the power of the Spirit that God leaves to His church in Jerusalem. That's what our passage is about today. Some preliminaries on the context of the passage. Jesus has been resurrected and he's shown himself to some of his disciples, and there's a buzz around that. He's walked with the guys on Emmaus. They've come back, and he's about to show himself to them, to many of them, most of them, for the first time. He's getting ready to head out of his earthly ministry, ascending into heaven, and readying them for life as a church in the world, promising the Spirit's power to be with them. And he speaks peace to them. He instructs them, He walks them out of the city gates. He lifts his hands, gives a benediction, a commission, and then is parted into heaven, the scriptures say. The whole final section, the end of the gospel, is a commission scene, a blessing, a sending forth, a benediction in his name. Now, let's define it. Commission is co-on mission. It also means uh, to send forth, to, 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 to give a final word. Often it's called the benediction. Those words are almost interchangeable in the original languages. We have a little bit more nuance in ours, but they, they mean something like this. When someone declares a blessing, a good word over someone, that they receive in order in Scripture to be a blessing to the world. Blessings in Scripture are everywhere. The whole thing starts with a blessing. Genesis 1, and God blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. You go on from there, and you got Noah and Melchizedek and Jacob and Esau and Joseph. You don't know who those people are. They're kind of, um, kind of essential characters in the first half book, first half of the first book of the Bible. And then he goes to Abraham, who will be called Ab- Abram, who will be called Abraham. He makes a covenant, a promise with him and his offspring. It's a commission. I will be your God and you will be my people. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to the world, to the nations. Jesus' ministry is filled with blessings. The call of each of his disciples is a commission. All the Sermon on the Mount starts with blessed are. To the children that he snuggles on his lap when he brings them to himself. To Last Supper. And now to his last word to his disciples. All of Paul, not all of Paul's letters, most of Paul's letters have a benediction in it, a blessing, either on the front end or the back end, first or last words that he gives to the church that are gathered. The Bible is filled, littered in a good way, with blessing, benediction, commission. And all blessed benediction, all blessed benedictions are commissions to be a blessing to the world. It's kind of why I like the English word commission more, uh, because the... the, the, the because the blessing has a purpose. You soak up all the goodness that God has given you and offers to you, and then you go drench your neighbors with the same soaking. Friends, family, 
enemies, co-workers, everyone. Blessing sometimes can sound a little bit like superstitious, maybe even, if not superstitious, semi-stitious. Sometimes it's like a magic mantra or like a spoken rabbit's foot in our, the way our language receives that. But it's not in the scriptures. So why is the commission, this last, very short admittedly, end of the service so important? Think about it. The local churches would gather each week in the ancient Near East and hear the reading of all these letters, and it would often end with this benediction, this commission. God would launch you into the rest of your week, and sometimes they met daily, so maybe the rest of your day, with this commission ringing in your ears. When we first started this worship mini-series, I said we we could do this whole thing out of Leviticus 9, and you were thankful that I didn't. No, Leviticus is awesome. Here's how that whole section ends. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. After he came down from, the off, the offering, from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. All the sacrifices, all the worship of God's people, after all the offering, the one for sins, the one for prayer, the one that embodied their fellowship with God and each other. After all that, Aaron's culminating act as a high priest of Israel was to lift his hands and give them a benediction, a commissioning. Old Testament, New Testament worship services have all the C's. They have call, they have confession, they have consecration, they have communion, and always have a commission. Now, in this passage, I am not saying this is the structure of a worship service, or it is a worship service that's happening. But I want you to see that all the elements of our five C's, or the five C's, are here in this passage. Jesus calls them to himself in their disoriented state by showing up and saying, peace be with you. Confession happens as Jesus invites them to acknowledge their fearful state and their hearts of doubt. Why are you so troubled, he asks, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? And then he assures them by showing him his hands and his feet and declaring to them why he has come. Instinctually, there's a meal. There's food. Now, I'm not saying that's a communion meal. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But the scripture does give you a nice illusion. He took and ate. The last time they had a meal, he took and ate. And he gave it to them. And then he preaches. He consecrates them, opening their hearts and minds to the law and the prophets, the scripture says. And then he goes out, he raises his hand over them, and he blesses them. Lifting up his hands, he blessed them. Again, this is not a worship scene. It's a pretty typical encounter with Jesus, except for the rising into heaven thing. That wasn't typical. But it has all the elements of the seas. What if every Sunday is a divinely ordered, typical experience we're supposed to have with Jesus that ends in a commission? a blessing, a benediction? What if every Sunday morning, what if Sunday mornings are simply there to normalize and habituate our relationship with God, one another, and our neighbors? I wonder. Actually, I don't wonder. It's just true. The word benediction literally means good word in English. We use the word good all the time. That's good. It's all good. 
Good for you. All in good time. Y'all look good. Good intentions. The common good. On good terms. Goodbye. Give me the goods. Let's get some goodies. Strange, isn't it? It's a term we use so much. It's like well, post-it note phrases everywhere. But when you do use a word so much, it's what C.S. Lewis calls verbicide. You kill a word by its overuse. But good is the language of God. Scripture speaks unapologetically about good and goodness and that He is good. That there really are things in the world that are helpful, true, beautiful, beneficial, good. And He's bringing good word to bear upon us. Christian worship ends and sends with a good word from the only good God. And we're to receive it. And the good in the good word, the benediction or commission, it's not just a hopeful and happy, you know, a thought wistfully sent toward your aura. It is flint hard, a flint hard declaration of the Father's peace power, promise, and purpose through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a declaration over you. It's the peace, power, and promise that the risen Christ is real and that your purpose is tied, your purposes are tied to a God who is real. It's a strange biblical scene. He just shows up. They are full of grief. Some of them have been weeping for days, full of exhaustion. You know that kind of grief, that, the, uh, that kind of exhaustion that only grief gives you? Full of something akin to hope, suspicion, doubt, joy. Because they keep hearing the reports from the women and Peter and now Cleopas who just showed up. Uh, we, we saw Jesus. But, you know, it's so miraculous. You're like, ah, yeah. So you're full of bewilderment. Things seem bad and confusing, and yet there's this kind of sense of hope. And then Jesus appears, and in my mind's eye, he says, boo. It's not in the text, by the way. But he shows up to a peace that is tactile. They were troubled and scared, and so Jesus says, grab me. See my hands, my feet. Touch me and see. I love that. Touch me and see. To these fearful, doubting, grieving, exhausted friends, he shows up with a benediction, a good word, a commission of peace. They were freaked out. They thought they saw a ghost. But he was there to remind them that he is bodily risen. And he came to commission them in his peace and by the power of the Spirit into the world. Touch me, he says to them. Shalom, peace, he says. Shalom from the servant king, from the risen Savior. Abraham Kuyper writes, it's not a reminder of the grace of God in the benediction. It's not a prayer for God's blessing. He, it's the act of his blessing. No, it's a declaration on God's part that he comes to his people with peace and grace. When the minister pronounces the benediction, he is nothing but the mouth of the Lord. It's one of the great privileges of being a pastor to take on this priestly role as a representative of God's word 
as a representative of God in flesh, of God in flesh, even as I'm deeply flawed, to represent, not because I have the authority in me, that I own hands of peace or a, 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 a heart that could do this on my own. Not that I have the hands that have superpowers that, you know, kind of zing, that you can't see. But it's a symbol of how God interacts with us through Christ. It's just being an instrument of God and what he's doing when he wants to give his good word to you. Let me give you a worship hack. Just tried to help the kids learn that. But try lifting your hands in a posture of receiving, especially when you're feeling the grief and exhaustion and bewilderment. So at the end of the service, give it a shot. No pressure. It doesn't like not take if you don't have your hands on. It's okay. Sometimes your body, though, sparks through muscle memory something important for your heart and your soul. He says, reach out and touch me. So enact grabbing with your hands. I don't care if you do the grabbing, you know. It's just harder to grab with your ears. Now, don't be legalistic or mechanistic about it, but it's a way to embody and posture this thing. And it's just simply to say that these words that come, this spirit that was sent in Jesus' stead is really here. That's what it is. And then Jesus adds the other ingredient, which is the sending, to what a benediction or a commission is. It's the sending of it. He re-explains how he brought shalom to the world. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Y'all, that is the gospel. That is why we come here. Because the Christ suffered and died. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. And then he tells them how they should participate in, in a proclamation of this gospel. That we bring repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. You are my witnesses to these things. You are the hands, the mouth, the feet that manifest this reality in the world. You're not alone. You don't conjure it. The Holy Spirit is about to be sent to them. But it's a reminder that that is our commission from God. Do you hear that? Think about that at the end of the service today. Embody that. When I say the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever, is a declaration over you. We are blessed to be then a blessing. It's a directive from our leader. Orders from our servant king, a dispatch to his disciples, bear witness to who I am in word and in deed, everything you do. But this is a really important part. To proclaim repentance and forgiveness, church, we must continually turn to Jesus in repentance and forgiveness ourselves. We must you can't be a witness if you weren't at the scene. And so we regularly go to the scene of this repentance and forgiveness in real time and space in our very lives. And so it begs the question, can you bear witness? Bear witness to repentance and forgiveness of sins in your life. And I'm speaking to you who are Christians. 
That is our message. That is our manner as we talk to people, as we proclaim the reality of the risen Christ. Our repentance and God's forgiveness in real time and space. You are not a witness to your goodness. You are not a witness to your willpower. You are not a witness to your character or even your character development. All those things are really good, and frankly, they can add to the, to the story that God's really changed me. But you are a witness to this peace, power, promise, and purpose of God in the world. And that starts and continues with repentance and forgiveness of your own sin, of my own sin. That's something we actually brag about, that God forgave me. God restored me and my neighbor. And God's commission is not limited to or by personal salvation. It includes everything that Jesus taught us. We'll talk about that next week with Matthew 28. In Redeemer language, we call it engaging God's world. That's why we have a global engaged team. That's why we're setting up a uh, are forming a local engaged team. By the way, if you want to be on our local engaged team, talk to Susan, email her, lots. Starting next week in light of Epiphany, which is about two days ago when the church celebrates uh, the Magi coming, that Jesus would be the light to the world, we'll do a seven-week series on mission. And we'll have a document for you that, that leads uh, our church and our, our, our elders put it together almost nine years ago, maybe ten years ago now, that leads the, how we try to focus on these things, how we will orient towards it, how we enact our mission in light of God's commission that we receive at the end of every service. But now let's simply say, again, what happens at the end of every service. The commission, the good word for his people, declares to us, reminds us, that the church has been granted peace through repentance and forgiveness. She hears again the promise of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. She is clothed in power by the Spirit, all for the purpose to bring His blessings to flow far as the curse is found. That's what we do in that last minute of every service. Now I want to kind of end with, not kind of end, actually end, um, with the most meaningful human commission benediction that I ever received in my life. It happened several years ago. My dad was in the hospital with terminal cancer. I'd say it was probably 2015 or 16. I've never told this story publicly because it's one that I've held in my heart for many years. It was at Tripler Army Hospital in Hawaii, where my dad lived. Some of you know, but some of you don't, that my dad was a highly decorated special operations aviator in the U.S. Army. He was the de deputy commander of um, with the Black Hawk Down unit and a bunch of other stuff that I can't know about. I've been back and forth a lot. Each time I left, I didn't know if I'd see him again or he me. It's a long trip, and my, my visits were exhausting, frightening, bewildering, and the best decisions I have ever made, besides marrying my wife. 
and have my kids. Those are coupled. I was getting ready to leave for the airport, and I had this, um, after hugs and goodbyes, at the door's threshold, I turned, and I had this incredible urge to give them a benediction. I gave the benediction I give each of you, all of you, each week. My father had started following Jesus by the mercy and power of the Holy Spirit laid in his years. He knew the forgiveness of sin. So I listed, lifted my hands over him and gave him the benediction. But that wasn't the most important part. In response, I'm going to get through this. My father, Colonel Ralph J.W.K. Hyatt, that he did something that has been a blessing, a benediction, a commission over me since the time it happened. His cancer was in his stomach. With abdominal pain that very few of us would ever experience, he slowly sits up on his bed. He turns towards me, and he looks me straight in the eye, and he does this. A salute. What he did was his form of commission, a benediction over me. Here's the deal, though. You may not know this if you didn't grow up in the military world. In the military, the higher-ranking officer never, ever is the first to salute. It's always the lower-ranking officer. It's against etiquette. It just doesn't happen. That means my father would only salute generals initiate a salute with generals. But on this day, in this blessing, the commander, my father, saluted his son, his lower-ranking officer, not to honor the U.S. military, but to commission me into the world with all the dignity, purpose, and knowledge and goodness that he tried to instill in me especially if I wouldn't see him again. Every Sunday morning, the king of the universe turns to you at the end of a worship service. He stands in his once pain but now resurrected body, and he takes his nail-scarred hand, and he salutes you. He puts it up over you in his grace, by his power, to bless you in order to serve him for all your days. This is the benediction of a Sunday morning. This is the commission of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, may we receive your good word over us. And when we soak so much of it up that even our enemies would experience the blessing that comes from you. As we know, we were once enemies of yours, but have you made us your children, and you take all the honor that you have, all the glory, all the goodness, and you give us a portion of it so that we might be a blessing to the world. Would you help us know this, receive the declaration of it, embrace it every Sunday morning. We pray in your name. Amen.